Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to episode 91 of the WP Builds Podcast. This episode is entitled Facet WP Filtering for your site with Matt Gibbs. It was released on Thursday the 30th of August 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined later for our top and tail discussion and ending fact by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com. A couple of things to say before we start. First thing is, as always, please, if you feel favorably about this podcast i'd really appreciate it if you went over to itunes and made us a five-star review you can find the link to itunes and our um, page on that platform if you go to wpbuilds.com and find any of the podcast episodes there's a whole bunch of buttons underneath the podcast player one of which is an itunes button also there's opportunities to share it all over the place and again would really appreciate that if you do feel like being part of the wp builds wider community if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe then you can find out all the ways that we can keep you notified we're not really into spam but you know you can uh, you can subscribe on facebook messenger join the facebook group and so on and so forth there's a slack channel as well the other thing I would say is we've got a couple of webinars coming up. We've got Corey Mass from Kanban WP uh, in September. And also in September, we've got uh, Arindo Duque from um, WP Ultimo, which is a, a plugin which you'll find out more about in the next few weeks. But it's a way of making multi-site turnkey websites. It's great. So, yeah, please go and check that out. Also, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, and you'll be able to avail yourself of some coupon codes for things like Toolset, MainWP, Malcare, BlogVault, and so on. So, yes, great. The other thing I would say is before we get started with David Wormsley and I... Um, the, the format of the podcast is going to change. At the minute, we've got a discussion followed by an interview, followed by an ending fact. What we're going to do is we're going to split the podcast up so that possibly alternative weeks, sorry, alternate weeks, but possibly not, don't really know yet. We're going to do an interview just all by itself and then a discussion all by itself. So it'll be discussion, interview, discussion, interview, something like that. And it'll basically be David and I, but also we've got a few people that we've had on the podcast before and people that we know to join us on the discussion so hopefully you'll be able to cope with this change of format it might make the podcast a little bit shorter which i think is possibly a good thing and that's going to start from next week but please if it upsets you or you think the new format's a load of rubbish let us know that'd be great speaking of discussions and ending facts the discussion that david and i are going to have this week is called what's the lifetime value of a client and at the end, slightly ridiculously, we've got one called Doc Puddle Love. And you can find out about that by getting to the very, very end. Okay, today we've got the Facet WP developer, Matt Gibbs, on. If you've never used Facet WP before, it's a plugin which allows you to filter things. So, for example, you might have a post type of cars and you'd be able to filter, I only want to see Audi cars, and I only want to see blue cars, and it works incredibly well, very easy, point-and-click interface with almost like a page builder structure to it these days. It's advancing at a very quick rate, so he's here to talk about that. 
But let's first of all go to David Wormsley and myself to have this week's discussion. Thank you very, very much for listening to the podcast yet again. And today we're discussing what's the lifetime value of a client. Now, this is inspired by Seth Godin and a post that he made recently where he was asking, are we still clueless about this concept of lifetime value? So his post is a really short one. Maybe Nathan will provide the link below this one. But what they're saying is, well, what he's saying is if Apple an Apple upgrade breaks your phone and you switch to Android, it's going to cost Apple more than £10,000 because of the loss of that continued business. So that's what we're talking about with this and trying to put it to the, the work that we do. So, oh, Nathan, do lifetime value, does that really come up in your life? Um, do you know what? I don't have a number. I know that quite a lot of businesses, especially like SaaS apps and things like that, they'll have an mm. absolute figure. Um, that they want to achieve and, you know, regard it as poor if they don't and, and good if somebody stays beyond that point. So it might be paying for three years uh, at $100 a year or whatever it mm. might be. I, I, I am working on lifetime value as a thing. I would like people to stick with me and I make mm. the point very clear in proposals and contracts that I want this to be a partnership and I'm going to do everything that I can and it's just going to be me and you'll talk to me on the phone and all of this kind of stuff but I don't have a number on it and I'm I'm mm. probably not as good at this as just about anybody else um, <laughs> I have no idea what that number is but I do stress the point that I would like you to stick around and, and work with me over the years to come on anything uh, that you can imagine yeah, exactly. And do you know what? I think I didn't really have an idea of this concept, really, and I don't have any numbers. But by I think just by chance, in a way, I've started to think about that. And now I use the term a bit. Uh, there was somebody on a Facebook group who posted about, well, posted almost my exact situation. They said the first few jobs that they did were an, quite a few thousand for those jobs. And that was the same with me when I did it professionally. And then he said that he's now struggling to get anything that's more than a few hundred mm. dollars or pounds. I can't remember what it was. but mm. And um, I just thought, well, that's exactly my situation. But actually, it's been a, a happy thing because what I realized is that if I look back to when I was doing it as a sideline to my main job, some of those old family and friends sites over time have been, because they trust me to do their upgrades and look after their site, over time, that trust has, has turned into almost as much as those big jobs that I quoted for. Mm. I am I'm trying something out at the moment, which it hadn't really occurred to me until just now. Was me having a go at this? And that's that I've got a client who's come to me and has said, we are not getting the support that we want um, off our current developer. They've basically gone dark. But mm. we quite like the site. And I've had a look and had a look in the back end and so on. And, and basically it needs a rebuild so that I can manage it because it's using mm. plugins and things that I don't want to touch, shall we say. So mm. what I've said to them, and I don't know if they're going to bite at this, and I don't even know if this is something I want to carry on. I've said, I'm going to, I'm going to rebuild the existing site for you for free so long as you come on X care plan mm -hmm. and you sign up for at least a year. Mm. So the principle there is that during the period of a year, so long as they're not crazy with their burdens of calling me up and asking me to change this, that and the other thing, and they, they use the provided amount, 
they'll have been absorbed into the figure that the care plan would have needed over that time if they'd gone on a lower one, um, and mm. and it'll absorb the cost of the build. But all the time, it kind of feels... The way I've framed it is I'm doing it for free. I'm doing you a website for free. So we'll see how that works out. But that, that I think, possibly is the same thing. Yeah, I th- it sounds like a good way. I mean, a lot of people do this in a way. They build their models. It, it, obviously, recurring income is the way they might frame that kind of thing. But I think I'm I'm purposely doing it. We talked about this before. You know that there's a somebody contacted via my colleague, um, me for a job quote. Mm. And it's really complex. It's got a lot of stuff going in there. I think um, there's a shop, there's booking, there's events, there's blogs, there's vouchers, all of this kind of stuff. And we lo- looked at it, didn't we? And we said it's probably, most agencies would say this is in the 10K range. Yeah. Uh, that's pounds we're talking in here for a big job like that. But it's interesting because I'm going to leave this conversation and have a chat with this person because because of the way that I've committed now to this high idea of lifetime value, I'm going to say, you know, I'm not going to take the full responsibility and give you a quote. I'll give you an estimate and how long it might take me to do the the technical bits of your job, which will be much less than that higher price. But I want a long-term relationship with them. I want them to work with me over period of time so i'm hoping if they go for that this will build trust and i will you know continue to work with them in the long term because i actually think so i'm going on a bit now but i actually think with the job that they have i'll be using various wordpress plugins and they i'm sure some of those are going to have problems and i'm also sure that the technology will change and they will want there will be a new brief almost as they put the site out live mm-hmm. things will change what they need do you, um, when you are building this, are you kind of thinking that you're going to ask them to sign on for a particular period of time, come what may? So, for example, in your head, are you thinking, I'm going to tell them that I'll do the site for a lower fee or free or whatever it might be, and you're going to come on my care plan, and I'm going to insist on two years or year or three years or 18, I don't know. Or are you going to take the approach of, look, we're just going to offer you something so good you won't want to go away? Or So the yeah. question to distill it is, are you going to lock them in or let them just decide that for themselves? Yeah, let them decide it for themselves. And I think that's maybe the, the lifetime value concept, isn't it? It's the idea, I think what Seth was saying with the Apple thing, you know, you don't necessarily lock people in as much as you'd like to, but you've They've got to trust you, haven't they? If you mm. break that trust at any point. So hopefully by appearing to be very honest about what we're doing in the first place and, and appearing to really have their back in terms of trying to keep the cost to the, the lowest and start with a minimal viable product rather than just go for this big project, it might earn that trust and that will continue then. That's the idea. So are you going to phrase this that I'll build it slowly, but as soon as we've got the first bit ready, we'll launch it? Or are you <laughs> going to build it all first and then um, kind of, you know, the, well, that's it. It's basically all built and you just do the care plan stuff thereafter. Yeah, I think well, I think you've got a route with this, haven't you? Cause it, if they want to quote, I'm probably not going to give them them. I'll give them an estimate of what I can do and they take responsibility for the project and they book our time and I give them a good idea of what I can do. And we'll work it out as we go along and they'll work out what they need. Otherwise, if we do for a quote like most people do do, and how I would have done it before, you need to really fully work out the spec. You need to get a proper proposition. That takes time. 
time. You need to do a contract. And all of that is biting into the money, plus the fact you take the responsibility for what the client is likely to do. Mm. So you have to charge big where I'm going to try and present the idea that I do it this way so I don't have to quote you big, but you do take the responsibility for the, the overall project. Do you have a number in your head then for this lifetime value? Is there a... No. Or is it... Yeah, no, that's... that's. I'm glad you've said that because that's the same for me. I have absolutely no fixed figure. I think really I'm thinking in terms of months on the care plan, you know, if they've stuck yeah. around for, for two years, then um, then that's that's fine. We've done quite well out of that. But if they stuck around for two months and then cleared off, yeah, that probably wasn't worth it. But my pricing is much more top heavy. Like I say, it was an experiment trying out this pricing whereby I, I do the site ostensibly for free. Normally, I, I get them to pay up, fr- up front, you know, in, in increments and then pay before it's finally handed over 100% to cover my time. Then afterwards, try and pitch them the um, the care plan. But I'm, I'm liking this idea a little bit. We'll see how it works out. If I've got any, uh, if, it, if it's successful, I'll let you know. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's really hard to to convey to clients. You know, when they come with lots of spec, you know, we know that uh, some plugins can do that very quickly. I mean, we know really we could build somebody a site within a couple of hours with with um, with commerce. We couldn't put all the stuff in there. We couldn't get the design as they wanted it. But as long as it's basic, you could do it in a couple of hours. I can spend more hours than that trying to place a telephone number to the left of a header. (laughs) Yes, yes. And And a client just doesn't know that. So, you know, in some ways I'm taking a gamble and probably stepping behind the curtain in a way with this one and saying, look, this is this is exposing what we use and everything, you know. But the hope is that I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to undercut people who will need to quote higher, but just saying, look, you know, join us on this. But we're in partnership now, and I hope that partnership's a long-term thing. I'm not going to say it like that. I'm going to say, you know, we work closely with you. But that's the idea is to try and get that kind of relationship in the same way that I did with my early websites. You know, that I don't, you know, they are my family and friends that I did earlier websites for. But I'm pretty sure they would drop me in a moment if they thought they were going to get a better deal with somebody else. But they're not because they trust me probably to have their back. And that's kind of what I want to get into with the lifetime value. Yeah, I think that's quite an important part. Obviously, the longer that period goes on and the more that they phone you up and you respond and do what they wanted, the yeah. more likely you are to, to gather that trust. And so when it comes time for the inevitable refresh of the website, um, you know, you could you could offer to sort of do it for free possibly at that point because the value is still there and you know the value is going to be there going forwards. Um, yeah. I wonder about, about this proposal that I've just put out. Mm. I'm thinking that on the plan that I have submitted to them, let me just work this out on a piece of paper next to me. Let's have a quick think. I reckon if they stick around any longer than, if I get them on the care plan that I've asked them to, which is, a sort of made a different one that's on my website, mm-hmm. sort of a bespoke one because of the unique nature of this. I think that if they're with me for anything more than about 19 or 20 months, then I'm starting to see more out of it than I would. But obviously, uh, if I'd have built the website for an upfront fee and got them on the care plan, then then that was always going to be the best way of doing it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. But from a client point of view, do you Mm. think it's more appealing to pay a smaller amount of time repeatedly 
sorry, not smaller amount of time, a smaller amount of money repeatedly, or would you rather pay a big lump before mm. the project is released? And I have to say, I think I'm more of the big lump kind of person if I can afford it. For example, with mm. my car insurance, I'd rather pay all of it than yes. have to pay more over one year paying 12 monthly inst- installments. But sometimes it just works out that it, it makes more sense for us and the finances and the way things are ebbing and flowing to pay in monthly increments. I don't really notice it as soon as I've signed that deal. It's out of sight, out of mind, and it's done. So I yes. don't know, from a client point of view, which would be more interesting? I guess you'd have to judge on its merits. Yes, and I think it's a different thing in a way. If you set, they know what they're going to be paying over a certain time. I mean, mm-hmm. what I'm suggesting is the fact that they don't, so they pay as they need. So I'm taking the gamble, if you like, that on a job like this, they will almost certainly, so that, you know, they put they want a shop. I'm sure they don't know what that shop needs to do. So they might not know that they need a kind of pricing table that uh, accounts for weight or something like this, Mm -hmm. an extra job. So these things start getting added with their consent as they go along. But my guess is, and it's a kind of gamble with the particular quote that's come in, I think, because we've done some work for another department of theirs, is that they are finding uh, the the usual provider too expensive. So they've obviously moved from who they usually have to somebody else. And they're obviously looking around now to move from the person that they had before. Now, I would guess that this company charges, you know, the higher rate initially, and then that's the job done. And mm. they, they have to gather the money again to start work on it. So I'm really the idea of with me is that you, you you spend less less it doesn't have to be perfect for the launch just just get it working and you'll work it out and then spend a bit more money and spend a bit more money as you go on as you need stuff mm. and i think maybe i mean it's a judgment call on this one i'm going that way and if they don't want that <laughs> they want somebody to sit before their board of directors and present a big job then i'm not the person and somebody else should do that and they should charge them much higher for it well, in about 10 minutes' time, you'll be able to mm. tell us all what the outcome was. Because, of course, <laughs> as soon as we hang up this, you're going to go and talk to them. So, yeah, interesting stuff. We've yeah. um, we've got to about 15-ish minutes. Uh, anything else to add, or shall we move on to the interview? Yeah, let's do the interview. Okay, let's go for it. Hello there. Thanks for getting this far into the podcast. You've made it to the interviews part of the podcast, and I'm glad that you did, because today we've got um, Matt Gibbs all the way from Virginia Beach in sunny USA. Hi there, Matt. Hello, Nathan. It's good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Now, Matt is on because of uh, a plugin that um, I've used before and possibly some of you have used before. I'm kind of thinking that this will be a good episode to listen to if you haven't heard of it before because it's incredibly useful in certain situations. So, um, Matt, do you want to tell us the name of your product and what it does? Sure. So a plugin I uh, wrote a couple years ago, it's called FacetWP, and it is a WordPress plugin for creating advanced filtering. Um, and so the most, uh, the easiest way I can explain it is like if you're on Amazon and you're trying to find a pair of shoes and you want to filter by color or size or brand, those actual sidebar filters is kind of what FacetWP does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a plugin where you can narrow down a list, usually a large list of content, um, and allow your users to find exactly what they're looking for. It sounds so simple, but I it, bet it wasn't that simple to write. <laughs> <laughs> no, it took it took a while to write this thing and to, to make it perfect. Um, 
a lot of intricacies go into um, not just fil- the filtering aspect, but the faceted search aspect. Mm. So when you when you select a choice, like you select blue, you want to make sure that the other facets, like the size facet and the brand facet, reflect that choice. So if you select blue, you want to make sure only blue products show, and also you want to make sure that only the other choices um, associated with blue show up. Mm. So when I've been looking around for plugins and things like that, I've come across this term facet before, and I wasn't so sure if that was a, a word that you'd made up or if that's a kind of um, a required correct piece of vocabulary for this kind of filtering and searching. Sure, yeah. So the faceted search is a term, and it just means kind of intelligent filtering. It means um, taking data and slicing and dicing it so you end up with a smaller subset of that data. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's the basic terminology for it. Yeah, I mean, it's not to be confused with search then, is it? Um, This isn't your sort of standard search widget in Facebook where you type in a word and it will try to find instances of that exact word and throw it up in a big list. That's not this at all. Not usually, no. I mean, you can kind of consider search itself as a type of facet. Okay. But in general, um, when I think of facet search, at least, I think of kind of multiple different... um, pieces of filtering mechanisms that kind of work together in harmony. Hmm. It's on your website. There's quite a few really perfect examples. I mean, you've got some video tutorials and and also some live demos where you sort of break it down. And, and the example which sticks really well in my head is um, cars. So you've got a, a custom post type, let's say, of cars. And then you've got a whole bunch of uh, custom fields which uh, map to different things. So, for example, the color, the engine size, the the model, the make, and so on. Um, and on a normal uh, single page, you would display all those in some way, shape, or form. But the, what your Facet WP plugin does, it enables you to display elements of all of those custom post types on a sort of single page, like you described with Amazon. Um, and then you've got a whole way, whole bunch of ways of filtering down by ticking boxes, uh, sliding things, and so on. And, and it, it removes all the ones that, that that are outside of the search that you want. Exactly. Yeah. So when you click on a brand like Audi, yep. um, all the other brands disappear. Yep. Um, because you can't have a car that has more than one brand. Yep. At least I don't think so. No. Um, and so when you select Audi, Audi, um, it'll also show. Um, on the other facets, it'll show the range of prices. So you can buy an Audi for up to $190,000. Um, you can see whether or how many of the vehicle types yes. there are. So like, yes. you want to see just cars, it shows 17 of them. If you want to show SUVs, it has a couple of them as well. Mm. Um, so that kind of um, really helps users um, basically determine um, what they want to find, like what what products match what they're looking for. Yeah, it's kind of, I was really surprised that I've used this plugin a couple of times. And the the first time I used it was to build a real estate site. So um, I don't know what you call it. Realty, is is that an American term that you use? Anyway, selling houses. And I was really um, impressed by the way that, uh, you know, you, you show pictures of houses below where the where the searching is going on and then you've got this box where you do all of your searching and i was really really 
intrigued that when you filtered down, all the other filter options amended themselves so that they were in line with what was currently showing. So for example, if I set a price of anything below £120,000, the all of the other filters would adapt to show only what was remaining. So, you know, it would say, oh, now there's only three houses in that price bracket with, with a garden, whereas before there were seven. Um, and, and all of the filters adapted. It was really clever. Um, mm. how, how is this built? What technologies are going on? How does, it, how does it load this stuff on the front end? Is it loading up the whole lot all at once or is it only loading the bits that it needs to see? And how do you, how do you sort of index it all? And I know that's probably a ridiculously large question to ask, but it'd be nice to hear some of the, the sort of complicated detail. No, it's an awesome question. So one of my hobbies, one of my ha- passions really is kind of just data and just taking data, figuring out the meaning, um, taking all this raw data and putting meaning to it. Um, and so this was like the perfect project for me. Um, I did do a few plugins in the past and those were kind of in the same vein. Mm. Um, but with Facet, I just love taking this data and doing cool things with it. So to answer your question about indexing, um, what happens is, um, so from the start, you install the plugin, um, presumably you have a whole lot of data on your site. Let's say you have a WooCommerce shop. Um, you have a bunch of products. Each product has data for you know, color size, that kind of stuff um, already on your site. And then you go into Facet and you say, I want to create two new facets. For the first facet, I want to select the color attribute for WooCommerce. Um, for the second facet, I want to select size. And then you hit this button called re-index. And what that does mm. is there's a custom database table um, that basically stores the required information for each facet. So when you go through the indexing and you, and you click re-index, it goes through each post on your site, and then for each post, it goes through each facet that you created, and it just basically pulls all that data in from WordPress and stores it in this index table so that when you when you load the page, the front end, um, it's a whole lot faster than if you were to have to make that query each time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, using WordPress itself. So it's kind of like a cache, but not really. Does, a, sorry, please continue. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's just kind of like a more efficient way of, of loading and retrieving the data. It, 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 I was really surprised by how quickly it, it managed to, to index the stuff on the site for a start. Um, mm-hmm. Like you say, you press this re-index button and I was thinking, oh, we'll sit around for a couple of minutes and see what happens. And it was a few seconds, really. Um, in my case, it was probably because I only had about 100 posts. Is there any situation where this plugin sort of, it, it, it's out of bounds, you know, 100,000 entries, 200,000, 50,000, where the, the indexing and the, the strain on the server might cause it to to sort of malfunction, if you like? Sure. So there's there's definitely going to be those lower and upper bounds. Mm. Like if I get pre-sale questions and someone's like, I've got a gallery with 10 or 15 images, you know, will facet work for me? In those cases, I usually kind of say it might be overkill for your needs. Yeah. Because if you, only, if you only have that few content, like I don't know if it's going to be worth your time. Mm. But um, for thousands of posts, tens of thousands, even up to a couple hundred thousand posts, facet will work great. Mm. Um, beyond that, though, like if you have millions of millions of products um that's kind of where we start hitting bottlenecks with the database mm-hmm. um if your server isn't powerful enough mm-hmm. like if you, only, if you only have 512 megs of ram on your site that's probably not going to work if you have a million posts and you're not just going to see that with fast you're going to see that with all these other plugins too yeah maybe even woocommerce itself yeah 
yeah, it kind of feels to me that if you've got a, a million products, it's maybe WordPress isn't the place to be. <laughs> to yeah, know. I mean, it could be. I mean, it depends on how you want to kind of yeah. square peg, round hole it. Um, I mean, there are options for that. Um, but long story short, MySQL itself, MySQL is the database that powers mm. WordPress. And it's kind of a general purpose database. Like it's great at a lot of different things, um, but it's not it's not excellent at any single thing. Mm. You know what I mean? It's kind of, yep, it's yep, great. Yep. It's good at everything. Yep. Um, but once you get to like the kind of scale that a large site has, like millions of products, that kind of thing, um, that's where MySQL kind of starts to break down. Um, and there's been a lot of attempts to kind of alleviate that. Like for example, um, back in uh, 2008, I created this plugin called Pods, which is that it's kind of like a custom fields plugin. Um, I don't know if ACF was around then, but it was kind of around there. And the difference, um, the kind of what separated pods from the other plugins is that when you create, um, you know, most normal plugins, um, when you create fields, it'll just add it to post meta. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a whole bunch of posts, that's millions and millions of rows in post meta. And when you want to retrieve all that data, it, it starts to, it takes a while. Um, so the idea with, behind pods was, Let's just create separate database tables for each content type. Mm. And for, for each table, you'd have columns specific to each field you want to create. It's like let's say you have an event um, post type and you have you know a start date, an end date, and I don't know, a location. You'd have those three columns in your new database table. Mm -hmm. And that would theoretically make things a lot more efficient. Yes. Because you're only scanning you know, how many events you have instead of you know multiplying that by how many custom fields you have yes. and all that, all that stuff i think that's how other cms's handle a lot of their custom post types for want of a better word you know they create it, tables um whereas wordpress historically never did that because of the legacy of being blogging you know um, exactly yep. yeah yeah it's interesting um now speaking of other other CMSs, it's a perfect, lovely, beautiful little segue. <laughs> we uh, we had a chat just before we started recording this, and I explained that you know, as as I've said many times before, I was a, a user of Drupal uh, until about I don't know two or three years ago, something like that. And um, and I wondered, having a look at um, Facet WP, there's a there's a beautiful new feature called the Layout Builder, which enables you to achieve everything that you used to be able to achieve, but with a, I'm going to say a page builder like interface, you know, you, you sort of, you, you, there's little handles that you can hold and you can move things around and put things in the right place. And it really reminded me, not the page builder aspect, but it reminded me of Drupal view. So cheeky question. Did you, did you get some of these ideas from Drupal views by any chance? That's an excellent question. So let me start this by saying that, um, Right out of college, I had a job, and that lasted for nine years. Um, and at this job, um, we did a whole variety of projects, um, one of which was we worked a lot with Drupal. Um, and with my work in Drupal, you know, we got to play around with, I think it was Drupal, uh, was it six maybe? Maybe. Five. But, yeah, six would be um, about eight years ago, I think, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and we got to play around with views. We got to play around with CCK for yep. the um, content creation um, and all these other things. And what struck me about Drupal was that how darn efficient it was. Like it was a great system for a developer, 
But mm. for me, at least, it wasn't a great system for the end user. No. Because in order to make it look nice for the end user, make it presentable, make it so they can understand, you have to spend so much effort on it. Um, but long story short, uh, the page builder it, the page builder itself was not. Um, I don't know if it, it if it was inspired by Drupal, but it's definitely along the same vein. That's mm. kind of the Drupal thinking, mm. um, which is interesting because. For me, for like a long time, I feel like, you know, Drupal kind of had had that developer feel to it where yeah, yeah. every decision made was kind of based on, you know, how could this make um, how could this make things more efficient from the back end side? Yep, Whereas yep. WordPress was kind of like, how can I make this prettier for the end user and easier to um, easier to, to add content yes. for someone who doesn't know how to program? Yes. Um, yeah. Does that help? Help answer your question. No, no, that's perfect. I, I just wondered. There were just some aspects in in this layout builder, which I will post the um, I'll post the link below because you you must go and watch this video, and it will give you a very very good understanding of how it works. There were just some, and, and I can't really explain it, but there were a few little tricks that you did, and I just thought, ah, that yes, that reminds me. Of it. But you know, <laughs> it's open source. It's free open source. It's why not? You know, why not take mm. the idea and run with it? And I entirely agree. I think that I think that Drupal has that um, has that sort of developer feel to it possibly um and wordpress is just far more beautiful i i got um yeah i got sort of weary of uh the 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 updates between major version numbers anyway let's not dwell on that anymore but um yeah maybe we could spend a couple of minutes describing how a user actually inter interacts with facet wp and uh, possibly from the end user point of view. So let's take the example of cars again, like mm -hmm. you've got on your website. Um, can you go through the, I think I'm looking at two, four, six, seven, there's about 14 or 15 different options that you've got for ways of filtering. So I'll start mm -hmm. us off and then you can take it from there and talk about some of the exciting stuff you've got in. If you imagine you've got cars, um, one of the options that you could filter by would be uh, manufacturer. And then you say to yourself, well, how do you filter by manufacturer? Well, you could do a drop down. So you could put all the manufacturers in a drop down list and click on Audi. All the others go away. You could also do radio buttons and all the others go away and so on and so forth. But that's not the options that you're limiting it to. Do you want to tell us all the, the myriad wonderful ways that you can use Facet WP? Sure. Um, so let's say you're wanting to filter by manufacturer or make. Um, there's a whole bunch of different UI options you could use to display those the list of choices. Um, there's the normal checkboxes and dropdowns, um, which you see a lot of. Um, we also have this thing called F-Select, which is kind of like a an improved version of a dropdown mm. where you can you can both search and filter mm -hmm. within the dropdown itself. Mm -hmm. So like let's say you're you know you click on the dropdown, it opens up a list of all the makes, and there's also a search box where you can start typing in you know F O R and it'll pop up forward, and you just mm -hmm. click on that. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also select multiple items from within that dropdown. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a way if you know if you're trying to add facets and you want it to be mobile fen mobile friendly, um, that's a good way to do it. Yep. Um, there's also you know the some other standard ones like like a radio button. Um, and what's fun about a lot of these facet types is especially checkboxes and radio, they're really easy to style. Mm. Um, you know normally they'd be just HTML inputs like an HTML checkbox field. Um, but what we decided to do a while back is just to make them standard divs. Yes. Um, and add some accessibility stuff to that. Um, but at the end of the day, if you look at the source for a checkbox facet, yep. Um, each checkbox is just a div 
with a custom background image. I knew you so were going to say that. <laughs> so if, yeah. Yeah, you just replace the background image, just remove it all together. Um, if you want to change it from a checkboxes to just a standard text list, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, the default one's really nice. It's like a little black circle, isn't it, with a with a little smaller circle inside of it, and it, it works beautifully, I think. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a... Um, this doesn't really apply to the make facet, but let's say you have a hierarchical taxonomy. Mm. So you, you have kind of, let's say you have a, a country and a state kind of thing, and you know you select the U.S., and then you want to have you know, Virginia, Car um, North Carolina, California, those things appear kind of offsetted from, this, from the country. Um, you can do that too. There's a couple of different facet types you can use. There's one called hierarchy. Um, there's one called hierarchy select. Um, that one's kind of cool where... Um, there's two, like if, if you have a country and state um, hierarchy, you can select the country and then the state dropdown will fill. Yes. Um, so you, you've probably seen that a lot with kind of, um, uh, like if you're trying to find some tires from a car shop. Yep, yep. First you have to select the year, then yep. you have to select the, you know, make, then you select the type of car and all that stuff. Mm. Um, so it works kind of like that. Um, there's also um, some other like autocomplete like you start typing part of a SKU number and it pops up the different choices you can do. Um, but probably the coolest facet types we have um, are probably one's proximity. And yeah. that's basically, it's basically geolocation. So you um, first you have to basically geolocate your data and we have tutorials for that. Um, but once your data is geolocated, a user can go on your site and start typing in, you know, uh, Virginia, and it'll show all results within a certain radius of that location. Mm -hmm. So within 50 miles, within 100 miles, which is great for like a store locator, that kind of thing. Um, and the other one is called the map. Um, it's a map facet. Um, so not only can you display your results on a map, but there's also an option to be able to filter mm -hmm. um, based on the active boundary. And that doesn't really make any sense right now, but let me explain it. Um, so, okay, let's say you're scrolling the map. Like you're, you've clicked on the map and you're scrolling it around or you've zoomed in the map, you, like you zoom in or zoom out. Yep. Every action you make will actually refresh um, not only the results but the facets. So let's say you know, you've know you got a map and it's focused on the United States. Like So it's like a wide area. If you zoom in to Virginia, it'll only show results within Virginia mm -hmm. based on the boundary of your active map, um, which is probably – Probably one of the cooler things we've we've added recently. Yeah, uh, really, very very cool feature indeed, and something which would be fiendishly hard to pull off um, by yourself. And there it is, just sort of thrown in. I have to say, my favourite, which which you haven't mentioned, is the slider. <laughs> I love the slider. Um, I repurpose that to be a pricing thing, um, so that you know you just select the minimum and maximum price of a of a property. And I threw that at the client and said, what do you think of that? Is that is that even vaguely useful? And they were like, yes, keep that. We love that. Um, I <laughs> just think, yeah, I think that's really good. And also the, the sort of number range and you've got star rating as well in there. So mm -hmm. that there is an awful lot. And, and really all you need to do is create a custom post type and map map fields to, well, maybe you could explain that process better because I'm going to muck it up. Uh, but basically you just um if you if you already have a post type um and you already have like acf or something you would just create some custom fields exactly if you don't already, 
post type, you would use this plugin. Well, I usually use this plugin. It's called uh, CPT UI. That's right. Yep. Custom post type UI. Um, basically, that plugin lets you create brand new post types. Um, and it also lets you create taxonomies too. But um, when you create a post type, you basically just say, what do you want to name it? And what do you want it to show on your admin menu kind of thing? And that's pretty much all the required options you have to select. Yep. Um, there's also some other stuff too, but um, basically a post type, if you're not familiar, is um, in the WordPress database, there's a table called WP Posts. And the only really, Nathan, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, the, the only really distinguishing factor between different post types um, at the WordPress level itself is just the name of the post type. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's all just the same table yeah. and the same yeah. information. Um, but yeah, if you haven't heard of it before, CPTUI is a great plugin. lets you create post types, lets you create custom taxonomies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need custom fields, we usually recommend ACF. Yep. Um, and so, yep. And so you map um, those ACF fields for the sake of argument to mm-hmm. um, to things which are going to display in this in this faceted search. And then you create a template of all the different drop downs and check boxes. And then essentially all you do is you, you that spits out a short code and you stick that short code onto a, onto a WordPress page and Bob's your uncle. It's done. It's all there on the page, ready to go with, with just a couple of short codes. Yep. So each facet is its own short code. Yep. Um, you just drop it wherever you want to on the page. It can actually go anywhere. It can go in your header, footer, yep. main content, sidebar, um, and so, like that, a lot of users have a couple filters on their sidebar, a couple above the content, mm. um, which is pretty handy. Yep. And then you've got a couple of nice integrations. One of them, which um, which I have used and I think is really great, is um, with Beaver Builder. So you can seamlessly create these kind of searches within the Beaver Builder interface. It's very nicely done. Takes mm-hmm. it really. I mean it. It was not hard before, but <laughs> now it's painless. You just click a few buttons, drag a few things around, and and there you go. You've got your fasted search going on. Um, mm-hmm. What with with all your sort of support things? Because even though we're stressing how ridiculously easy this is, I'm I'm imagining that there is a pain point for some people who are just um, novices to WordPress and maybe have come to it and have only used pages, you know, native pages and posts before and they're new to uh, custom post types and fields and all of that kind of stuff. Do you do you have any things which cause friction for them, things that they find difficult that you're going to work on improving in the future? So anytime we talk about any of WordPress's underpinnings like WP Query, mm. um, anytime we mention that in our documentation, that does get some raised eyebrows from non-developers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be very careful about that. Um, when we initially released Facet WP, um, gosh, this was late 2013 i think yep so it's been a little while um it was very developer focused like there weren't a whole lot of um friendly uis for people who weren't developers Mm -hmm. anything like that but over the years we've kind of added more and more um friendliness for for non-developers yep um to the point now where we've added actually a layout builder because we've had a lot of questions from non-developers who say okay so i can add these facets um but how do i create my own grid and that kind of stuff yep yep um, and for that, we usually recommended, you know, Beaver Builder because we have the integration. But um, for all of the good that Beaver Builder provides, there's still that need. So long story short, Beaver Builder, I can't talk, Beaver Builder, <laughs> <laughs> it has this thing called a post grid. And yeah. 
it lets you create the grid. It lets you select what, what you want to appear. And you can have an image, a title, I think a, an excerpt, um, and maybe an author and a date or something. But I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of in terms of designing an actual like a single result, it's not super flexible. Um, and what we really needed is a way to let users fully design the layout for an individual result. So let's say you have a grid of, you know, you've got, um, let's say a staff directory, and you have, you know, a two grid or a two column grid with ten total results per page. You can do that part with Beaver Builder, but let's say you want to add a custom field below their name, or you want to show a different image than the featured image. Um, for each result, that kind of thing is is really hard with Beaver Builder, mm. and so we just wanted a way to design an into an individual result. Um, so I mean, both options are definitely viable, um, but we just had to focus on, um, you know, we wanted to make it easier for our non-developer users. Yep. <clears throat> To build that kind of thing. Yeah. So th- this layout builder, again, we're referring to something we mentioned a moment ago. But you just, you, there's just little drop-down options. So, for example, you insert um, the the post title, and there's the post title, and then you link it to the post with a, a box, and then underneath that, you might insert um, uh, an, an image, and then you might decide, I want it to be three rows, not not just one row. So you 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 go into a field and click three rows, and it just puts it all into three rows, and you can center things and align them does is that all um, i'm presuming that it is um that all responsive nicely you know if, if you collapse it onto a mobile those three um those three columns i keep saying rows i meant to say columns those three columns would uh, collapse over to you know work on a mobile device so it is it is based on css grid which yep. is kind of oh new, good yeah wow the new technology um so it's fully css gridized yep. <laughs> i don't know I, yeah, I, I think that'll it. do yeah <laughs> Um, but um, we do have a little bit more work in terms of making it responsive. So we have to figure out what breakpoints we want to set as the defaults. Like let's say someone has a phone that's only 500 pixels wide. Mm-hmm. We want to set some default breakpoints so that if it's that wide, okay, we want to force the layout to only show one column, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which we don't have quite yet um, because we don't know exact. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to figure out mm. um, the best answer f- across every site that we support, or every client site, kind of thing. Mm. Um, set parts can take a little bit longer to figure out just to make sure that we can make as many people happy as we can um, but yeah CSS grid is it's a great step forward um, for us because it means you know it's, it's something that yes while modern, only modern browsers support it it's something that we can feel comfortable with in the, in the long term yeah. that um, it's going to be good for our users um, speaking of the, the layout grid has that been uh, sorry, the layout builder has that been well received? Has it of of the the user base sort of taken to it? And dare I ask, has it even sort of like um, increased the sales because it's suddenly become much more easy than it once was? That's something I wish I could figure out. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. We have gotten a, quite a few compliments about it about how it'll make things easier for people to set up their sites without yeah. having to build their own custom um, HTML layouts, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful that people will find it useful. Um, it took a lot of work, but it was actually really fun to build because yeah. um, the whole like admin area is, is now based on Vue.js. Okay, okay. So it's very slick and kind of responsive. Yeah. Um, to answer your question from before about the front end, about how it works, um, it's all basically, basically um, when you select a facet, it triggers an Ajax request. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it goes back to facets admin area, and it basically just processes 
um, the data based on our custom database table. Mm. So it's all based on that one table. And then FastABP spits out the HTML for each facet. And then what happens at the end is um, we're using jQuery, and it basically just takes each um, short code, like there's like a play, and just basically spit out um, the HTML into each tag. And that's how that part works. Okay. Yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense to me. That sounds sounds like a, a, the 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 best way to do it. Have you um have you got some features that you're working on currently, or perhaps even a a, a longer roadmap for things that you're going to add down the road? Things that people have asked for, or things that you believe it would be uh, improved by having. Sure. There's a few things actually. Like one is going to be improving the um, layout builder, and that's going to take several release cycles. Mm. We just want to make it, you know, slicker and long. Um, in the long run and add some more features that users, you know, find useful. Um, also, I don't know if you've heard, but Google Maps have changed their pricing structure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for a lot of users on bigger sites, that that's a problem. Mm. Um, so we're, we're just now starting to plan out what we're going to do for our current Maps add-on. Um, the thinking right now is... Um, we'd like to switch that to... Um, uh, leaflet. Have you heard of Leaflet? No, no, I haven't. It's like this open source um, mapping utility library. Hmm. And with that choice, um, it would free us from being fully reliant on Google Maps, and it, w- it would allow us to basically um, let users choose what kind of mapping source they want to use. Okay. Whether whether it's OpenStreetMaps, whether it's right. Mapbox, whether right. it's Google Maps. Um, so I think in the long run that that'll be really cool to have, mm. and it'll free us free our clients from a lot of the burden of these new Google changes. Yeah, I guess there's been a price increase when you're. Uh, is it because you're sort of refreshing the page with with the way that you do it or something, uh, as opposed to it being a static map which loads once? Yeah, like every time you load a map, it triggers an API, API yeah. request. Yeah. Um, it's probably most apparent with our proximity facet, actually. Yeah. 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 Because every time you make a, a geolocation request, it makes that call. Right. Um, yeah. But I think it, in general, I think it'll be good to switch out of um, Google Maps, regardless. Yep. The the ecosystem for some of those other map, mapping solutions is really cool. You know, some of them look brilliant. Uh, every bit is good. It's just the it's the tyranny of the default, isn't it? Everybody just uses Google Maps because everybody uses Google Maps. Um, exactly, but I think that some of it's some of it's not 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 needed. Um, all of that stuff that you that you get with Google Maps, hardly any of it is actually useful to you. Oh, that's great! So loads and loads of stuff coming on uh, in the near future. Do you want to just quickly tell us about the the, the pricing structure for uh, for Facet WP, so that we got an idea of what we would pay and how many licenses and for how much? Sure. So there's two basic tiers. Um, there's the basic license, which is ninety nine dollars. Um, it supports one to three sites. Um, it only counts against live sites. So if you have local staging development sites, um, they aren't counted against your quota. Um, so that's $99. There's also a 249 tier, um, which supports up to 20 sites. Mm-hmm. So if you're an agency, you need, need more sites or have a multi-site install, um, that's probably more of an option for you. And also the professional license has an extra bonus um, it's got this plugin called User Post Type, and you know, out of the box, FastSMP only supports post types, but this User Post Type plugin allows you to map a user with a post type. 
So what it'll do is if you have 100 users on your site, it'll go through those users and add it. It'll create a post site for it, and it'll add 100 posts that you can then use for filtering. Hmm. Um, so you can then filter by, you know, if you want to filter by um, access level, you can filter by whatever user metadata that person yeah. has, okay. like role, that kind of thing. Um, and so that's another option um, for for people like buddy buddy press groups. I think yep. you can use that as well. Yep. Um, yeah, that's cool. So that, yep. Yep. Very very nice. Now, because Matt is a nice person, he's um, he's very kindly pointed out that he he has a coupon code available. Um, I, I'm not going to say that this will be around forever because I simply don't know. But um, if you hear this podcast episode and you get to this point, you can use the coupon code SAVE10. So that's SAVE, S-A-V-E, and then a one and a zero uh, in order to get yourself, I believe, 10% off. Is that is that applicable against all the licenses you've just mentioned? Yep, that's it. Thank you. That's really cool. Um, I would say... We've got a minute or two left. If there's anything you want to say, plug, promote, talk about your Twitter handle, whatever, go for it, Matt. Sure. If you want to reach me um, about questions about FastMP or anything else, um, I am mgibbs189 on Twitter. Um, so feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for coming on today and telling us about your fabulous solution. I'm really, really pleased to have had you on. And you never know, we might get you on another day and talk about something entirely different. Thanks very much, Matt. Indeed. Nathan, it was great talking to you. Hope you have a good one. And this ending fact, which isn't a fact, it is just a saying. Now, Nathan and I just met up recently. We met up in Lincolnshire where, you know, we became reacquainted with their, their phrase, their endearment, which is duck, isn't it? Yes. In the place where I grew up, if you were to go into a shop and yeah. you were a suitably sweet, cute little child and you did something nice, they would say things to you like, oh, thanks, duck. Basically, it's a generic term meaning you, yeah. you person. You know, it's yes. just a, a term for a person. But the the British English language is full of dialect, regional ways of using the word duck. So, for example, I've heard of the following: instead of saying "thanks, duck," people will often say "thanks, petal." Yes, you've heard that. Yes, indeed. It's the same meaning. It just means "thank you, you person." So what else have we got? Thank you, Doc. Thank you, love. Petal. Thank you, love. Yeah, Manchester's all love. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Petal. Thank you, love. I can't off the top of my head think of any others, but no doubt this is a great one for the comments. If you're in a different part of the world or if you're in Great Britain and you can think of another way of saying thanks, Doc, Petal, love, uh, let us know because this is fascinating. It's really interesting. <laughs> but Doc kind of grates with me a bit now. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we could have just done Lincolnshire sayings. One, you know, a, a Lincolnshire, a warm Lincolnshire welcome is. So when are you going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they like to know where they are. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when you've arrived now, what time are you leaving? Yeah, that's great. Right. Okay. So please send us some comments. That's great. Also, while on the subject of please, please go to the wpbuilds.com player. And click on the buttons. The iTunes one is especially helpful because of Apple's dominance of the iTunes market. But we'd appreciate a five-star review. That would be very, very nice. Uh, other than that, it's just for me to say thank you from me, Nathan Wrigley. Hi, thanks, Ducks. <laughs> thanks, Doc. And we'll see you next time on the WP Builds podcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's cheesy music. Cheesy music.